for Slice of Dice number 26. Is it 26? It is 26. It's been a little while, so... It's only a couple weeks. Yeah, three. three. Has it been three weeks? It doesn't seem like it. Well, you think your last weekend was your daughter's big day. Well, not big, big day. You didn't marry her off as, as a kind of a main a main thing to marry them off on the 14. Right. got to start young. Right. No, graduation fact, I got to... If she's around, I gotta wish her a happy. Uh, she's congrats. working. Oh well, good place for. Her. Right. Um, and the weekend before would have been hobby. Nice. So my math says three weeks. Three weeks. Well, um, we didn't see a movie today, but well, this was I did, but well, you did, but, I mean, but not, not not for the conversation. Right, 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 right. We're we're gonna get back to some director actor type stuff here and talk about Bobcat Goldthwaite today. We are. Mostly in honor of the fact that his latest release Willow Creek just released on VOD and it finally landed because we've been talking about this one for a year. Yeah. Since the first day we saw the trailer. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Um, I have a few few things to throw at you here. First thing. Uh, Jason Momoa. Yes, Apparently I, is, uh, is officially signed on to play Aquaman. This fascinates the hell out of me. First thing is, I don't know what I think about Jason Momoa at this point. We saw well, him as Conan. Well, yeah, we don't really know if he can act beyond, <laughs> beyond a grunt. <laughs> Thank you! And we know him as Cal Drogo, mm-hmm. which is basically him bending frickin' uh, Khaleesi over yeah. repeatedly and just yeah. taking her like an animal. He's he's grunted through two two fairly high profile roles. Uh, he's done it well. Yeah, but he's going to have to actually speak in this one. <laughs> Here, here's the question: Was Jason Momoa signed for the ladies? Because I've never heard many dudes bring up Jason Momoa. No, I've had more heard more women bring up Jason Momoa. More about God damn, look at that dude. I don't I don't think so. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's certainly... Even though Aquaman would be a weird place to put him, but... Well, yeah, clearly we know what Aquaman we're going to get here, <laughs> as opposed... We're not going to get, uh, you know, uh, metrosexual Aquaman <laughs> you know, here. Wearing the bright orange, you know, I mean, right, green. <laughs> right, we're going we're gonna to get the uh, King of the Sea type, uh, uh, you know, right, He's supposed type. to be a what? A, a Nept- uh, from uh, Neptune? Yeah. He's supposed to be related to Poseidon? I, I Am I so. wrong? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Some kind of Poseidon-esque figure. Yeah. Big dude, anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I think the look is a good good spin for yeah. for Aquaman. You know, the, clearly they can they can take this character, they're going to take the character seriously and not just make a running gag out of him. Uh, whatever. <laughs> well, they're going to try not to because Aquaman is a running gag well, for yeah. the most part. Right, right, right. But um, no, Superman's getting going to get bullied in this movie because I believe what what they're looking at here is that bringing Aquaman in here is is sort of like that world engine from Man of Steel sort of like fucked up the oceans and stuff and that's why they're they're bringing Aquaman into the that's how they're bringing Aquaman into the fold here because he has a beef with what Superman did we know Batman we know Batflack has an issue with what Superman did. It, it, this is interesting, though. Do you think this was the plan all along, or do you think this is just how they've reacted to the fact that everybody's complaining that Superman had all this destruction and death that he didn't have to to account for? Well, is this reactionary, or I, I is this think, the plan from the start? I think this is reactionary on so many levels. Hmm. It, it's reactionary to okay. 
It seemed like the biggest complaint around Superman was the death and destruction. And we are among those that said, all right, it was way too much. It was Michael Bay-esque. It it reminded me a lot of the destruction of Chicago in the last Transformers film, which that was a Transformers film by Michael Bay. (laughs) You expect it. (laughs) I don't mind Dark of the Moon, but whatever. Um, But it's all, again, it's also reaction as much as they're doing all they can to put pieces in place for their version of the Avengers and the Justice League. The problem is. They're not working off that same blueprint that Marvel did with their big multi-year plan of let's roll this one out, give a little teaser at the end. Let's roll this one out, give a teaser at the end, and link them through. So by the time you get an Avengers film, there's already some cohesion. Hmm. There's nothing cohesive about what they're doing here. We're going to get these random appearances of this guy would go, oh wait, that's Momoa. We already know he's Aquaman. Cool. And just see if he comes in with the chip on his shoulder, which is amping up for a Justice League movie. Right. It did, I don't know. It, it, it kind of all seems a little thrown together at this well, point. Yeah, yeah, it does seem a little rushed, a little reactionary, but yeah, we'll see. I, I, I myself am excited at the idea of a Justice League movie. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we'll just see what they do with it. Right. DC has exactly had the most luck. Well, and Zack Snyder is no Joss Whedon. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. So... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Are you a fan of, or do you think it's just just sort of a? I I think it's an a, institution that exists because the rock and roll world feels like it needs to exist. Right, and they go about it the wrong way. Case in point, Kiss taking this fucking long to even get in there. Well, that's a good segue here because Chubby Checker is making waves. About how he should be in there, and if he's not inducted soon, while he can still enjoy it, that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can pretty much go to hell and kiss his ass. I think that makes you look like a douchebag. I, and I don't disagree. Dude cannot promote themselves for something like that. Exactly. That comes off cheesy. Jim, Jim Rome is classic for that. Don't gloss yourself, you yeah. will get run. Yeah. Look. I'm not going to debate what Chubby Checker has meant to rock and roll, but this guy has rode the coattails of two songs. Yeah. The Twist and its sequel, Let's Twist Again, for his entire career. Even though, to challenge that, one of the a few years ago, one of the bands they were talking about inducting was a true one-hit wonder, and that was Le Chic with Freak Out. Yeah, but they did they? Are they no, even? they did. They didn't end up passing muster. But I don't even think Chubby Checker's ever even been brought up. I don't and know. I would argue I don't, I don't that, follow it that the movie, the, the movies, the songs he's given us mean way more to rock sure. history than fucking freak out. Sure, <laughs> yeah. The freak was nothing more than than the rock, the uh, roller uh, uh, roller skating disco song that right. you, that you you know skated freak to. Out. Yeah. And I don't even know that I think that song has more than oh, eight words no. in it. <laughs> They're not even an American band, are they? Le no, Chic. I think they were French. Yeah. Well, um, I guess Le Chic probably had to give it Well, I, I, I don't know. But Le Chic from I Iraq. Mean, it's it's sung, in, sung in English, so who knows? Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, it, but this just, come on. Dude, don't, don't toot your horn that no. much. You know, be a little bit more uh, humble. 
I mean, if you're really going to go about it this way, what you can do is drop that, is it $30,000 for a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Assuming Chubby Checker isn't there already. And I know there's a vote mm-hmm. process, but this is one of those that people can initial, uh, initiate themselves. Thus, Kim fucking Kardashian having a star mm-hmm. in Hollywood Walk of Fame. But you ridiculous. can't tell me all the old classic actors and actresses aren't rolling over in their goddamn graves. But Chucky Checker, for what he's been to entertainment... Chucky Checker? He was just chubby. Oh, Chucky he was just, Checker. He was just chubby. He wasn't exactly chubby. All of a sudden, they freaking crossed him up with John Chucky. Gruden. Oh, I thought you were doing with Chucky e. Cheese. <laughs> That's a better option right there. Actually, I've never been to a Chucky e. Cheese. Uh, I've always heard the pizza it, is not... Good. Yeah, no, you've been to Jokers. Yeah. You've been to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I kind of figured. It's just all the games that are meant to... You get tickets and yeah. you get plastic rings and shit. Right, right, right. Um, But yeah, he can do that. Don't push yourself to be this big. Don't, don't put these ultimatums out there about yeah. getting into the hall, hall of Fame. Well, now even if you do get in in it the next couple cheap. of years... It's just cheap. cheapened it. Yeah. I mean... It, but hasn't he been a bit of a blowhard at times about this anyway? Like he I know, feels I am not an ardent follower of the chubby, chubby, chubby one. <laughs> <laughs> You're not on the Chubby Checker fan club? I am not. Uh, I am I'm not familiar with Chubby Checker. I'll throw this course. out there. I honestly am shocked he's still alive. Typically the chubby dudes in the 50s don't make it 60 years later. I don't know how old he is right now. He's got to be pushing what? 70? 80? Yeah, um, no, he's 80, but yeah, he's up there. I mean, realistically, that song was definitely a... The, the twist was the 50s, right? I'm not wrong there. No, I don't think I think so. So let's say 55. Well, 54 is because the math's easier. That's 60 years ago. Yeah. So it wouldn't be out of the stretch. It wouldn't be a total stretch find out he's 80 then. Not maybe. He's still performing. So the, what we what it comes down to is he won't be alive much longer for us to well, care. Apparently he, well, apparently, he well apparently he referenced uh, like the Rolling Stones got in while they were. I'm like the hey, whoa, you, the do, Rolling do, Stones. Do not <laughs> compare tw- the, the twist, your contributions to the rock and roll world to the Rolling. Where Stones. do you begin with the Rolling? <laughs> well, here's the deal. All right, you need to take a step back, Chubby. When it comes Stand to your down, set, <laughs> what song or songs are people going to really hoot and holler for? The twist. That's it. You can name That's one. That's it. The Rolling Stones. <laughs> Where do you begin? Right. And I'm not even that big a Stones guy. I'm not a guy, Stones guy at all. But I get it. Right. I mean, for me, that level band would be if you got Who, uh, the Who back together. I love the Who. Where the fuck do you begin with the Who? Mm-hmm. They mean way more to music than what Chubby Checker does. Chubby, you got I two agree. goddamn songs. And one was just a blatant rip just off a the sequel. other. <laughs> yeah. One's just a sequel. There's a part other. of me that thinks he may have even tried doing a third and fourth version of it. Uh, like, one was a holiday version and stuff. But he's still... one around the Christmas tree. <laughs> he's a very... He's a one very fat trick pony, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, fuck you, Chubby. Chubby Checker. Chess is a better game. It should be Chubby Chess. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that his name is any relation to the Checkers hamburger chain. Probably not at all. Probably but not. <laughs> I'm guessing no. So um, you're a roller coaster guy. I am a massive roller coaster guy. Yeah, you've heard that the roller coaster used at the uh, six the Colossus, yes. yes, at the Magic Mountain, the one that they used in 
in the vacation movie. Not only do am I aware and do I know of this roller coaster, I have sat on the front seat of that thing three or four years after vacation came out. Oh, really? When it was funny because a lot of the ride cues. They still knew people were going to Magic Mountain going, it's fucking Wally World. Right. And w- at least one of the ride queues, they, the guy, when my brother and I were waiting to get on one of the coasters, the guy came, I think it was the, the Loop one, which is called the Revolution. The mm-hmm. guy came across and have a wonderful day here at Wally World. Right. Dude, the Colossus was a great roller coaster. And that's a piece of movie history. Well, that, I mean, that it was in other things, too. It was in that movie called Zapped with Scott Bale. It was like... Dude. I loved Zap. There was, um, uh, it was uh, the opening theme song to that step-by-step TV show with uh, Patrick Duffy and Suzanne Somers. I, that's the one that had the dude that punched his girlfriend, right? Maybe. It was one, it was the, the older son there who, who was kind of ended up having anger management issues. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's cool because it, it is such an iconic, it's, it's, it's iconic in cinema. The Colossus. Yes, it is. It, um, it, it, but even more so, as a roller coaster fan, the old wooden roller coasters, just something about them that to me is just amazing. To, to think of the amount of work and effort it would have taken to build these goddamn things when they did sure. is just amazing. That thing was built in the late 70s. Well, it opened in 78, I want to say. Um, so you, saw, you went on there about three years after vacation. Yep. So uh, what were you about? 14? Uh, actually, look, I, I could tell you the year I went, so it may make it closer to five years after. Because I went in 86. It was the year I graduated from high school. I think vacation was 81 right, so 18. Yeah, so you were yeah, it was 17 years old. Okay. So when you, when you crested over the top and went down, did you start singing, We went dancing? Actually, what's <laughs> funny is, on the way to that park, yep. that morning, that was our family's movie. It, because every year my Vacation's parents... Vacation's great. And every year my parents would pack us up because my dad at that point, you know, there was long haul truck driver. Mm-hmm. He was gone four days, then come home, be home for the weekend, booking out again by Sunday afternoon. So when it was summer vacation time, it didn't matter if we didn't have a pot to piss in. We'd scrape enough money together to travel somewhere. My parents knew amusement parks were good. They'd entertain the hell out of you. So when they started making enough money that we could do it, we did the big L.A. We actually flew to Frisco, hung out with my family up in Napa for three or four days, took the train and spent like four days in L.A. On the car ride over, we'd seen that movie so many times. My mom turns around, who's the moosiest moose you know, Marty Moose? Who's the fan of what King of Our Favorite Show, Marty Moose? And we sang the entire fucking song right up to the to the gate to pay to get into the parking lot. I didn't. I don't think I sang going over the top of the hill. I remember thinking, as much as I'm a coaster, coaster enthusiast, what you don't realize when you're watching that movie is. That hill was so fucking high mm. that when you come down over it, they had to trench out the bottom because they didn't figure correctly, and it goes under the uh, under ground level. Huh? And literally coming over, my brother and I looked at each other like, "Holy fuck, we're gonna die!" Right. And then we had a blast. Right. But oh, dude, that 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 that's re- movie history. Do you realize how close we are to not even having had that ending to that movie? I've heard story. I, I, I've that never was seen not, what that what that was actually was. Uh, filmed 
months after the whole inside the theme park was filmed months after really? the film was actually done. The intention of the filmmakers was to, uh, once they uh, found out that Wally World was closed and they went and Clark goes back and gets the gun, they were going to drive to to Roy Wally's house and were going to invade his house, hold his family hostage and make them entertain them there. And then when they test screened it, audience was sort of like That's a lesser movie. Well, well yeah, they were they were like, well, what the hell, dude? Basically you've you've spent this whole movie on this journey to Wally World, and then we don't get Wally World. So they went back and filmed the whole segment of them going in and John Candy and all this kind of stuff, uh, all that stuff with the roller coasters and all that stuff was filmed after the fact. And if you watch the movie You'll notice that over the course of that time, Anthony Michael Hall shot up about four or five inches. They lost their tans that they had accumulated and stuff. You watch the ending of that now, and you'll see hmm. that they're totally different people from the beginning part of the movie. I, I think I may have sit through that, because I'm almost thinking Vacation is now on Netflix. And I haven't sat no, and no, watched no, I've got Vacation the, in uh, probably 15 years. I got the, uh, it was the 30-year anniversary Blu-ray, and there's a... About a forty-five minute making of documentary at the end that that you can hear all this stuff, which is fairly interesting. You, I think you could almost argue that that movie may almost be the end of just. Well, I can't say. I, maybe of the great R-rated comedies that was towards the end of it because the the stuff that we were given, like the, the Hughes stuff, is different. I know people tell me Breakfast Club is rated R. But it's a different kind of R. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think John Hughes stuff is a library all to its own. Right. But when it comes to that kind of slapstick R comedy that was sometimes borderline racist, not but we didn't give a fuck, and just, just pushed the envelope a little bit, may have gotten away with a little... Then it was just commonplace, and Vacation just plays so goddamn well. Uh, uh, it's it. I don't know how many times I've seen it, and it won't be... Just as funny every other time I watch it. Yeah, that, that's one of those ones that just it has no. There is no ceiling to how many times oh, you can no. watch that movie and enjoy it for sure. It's funny though you bring up the idea that it could have been a kidnapping, because am I not mistaken that every other vacation movie that ended up being the plot at the end is somebody gets kidnapped, and the second one it's that his wife gets kidnapped, right by. By the two dudes in Italy. Well, they yeah they make the, some sort of they don't really kidnap her. I, I don't think it's like a kidnapping. I thought it was just like she did some sort of like sexy dance thing that they put up on the. Um, doesn't she end up in their trunk in the rental car? I don't remember that. I'm spending a lot. That's my least favorite of all of them. Well, that European. movie sucks. Um, the third one though, I know was kidnapping his boss. Who, right, right, but right, right. I will say that it was. Uh, Cousin Eddie that actually does yeah, it. Right, right, right. Because it's, Clark doesn't get his Christmas bonus, which he was going to buy the pool with. Instead, he gets a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. Right. And the fourth, and which I would enjoy myself. I mean, I'd rather have the money for a pool. I was going to say, but I yes, could buy I, a lot of smuckers. I like jelly, so I would appreciate the Jelly of the Month Club, especially on Marmalade Month. Oh, I'm not a marmalade oh, guy. Oh, Marmalade dude. May. But you give me a good thing of strawberry preserves. Oh, that, oh that's fuck, all good. yeah. That's all good. Yeah, but marmalade, I like the marmalade. What's the perfect... Oh, wait, you're not a big peanut butter guy. 
I, I like peanut butter with sauce. I like 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 Reese cups. Oh, I was gonna, but peanut butter and jelly would really be a oh, thing, I, right? I, I like peanut butter and jelly. All right, but... what's your perfect peanut butter and jelly combo? This is this is riveting. You mean you mean what kind of jelly or what kind of peanut butter or both? If you have a favorite peanut butter taste, I don't probably. really have a favorite peanut butter. That I don't really have that. I, I like creamy peanut butter. I'm not a big crunchy guy. Um, no, that's too heavy. Um, but um, more often than not, I, I dig just some strawberry preserves or some grape jelly. See, I, I'm an oddball. For me, it's I'm a skippier jiff dude. Well, whatever. Do you have a choosy mother? She, 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 no, actually, my mom always chose the cheapest fucking oh. one she could get. Store brand for us every time. And if she'd get it, the big 40-pound vat of the stuff, we had it. But I was an apple jelly guy. When it came to peanut butter and jelly, apple jelly to me was the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But what you do find out as a kid is if you had a parent who packed you peanut butter and jelly for lunch, worst idea ever because come two hours later, that jelly is right through your goddamn sandwich. Right. So what's the point? Plus all the other kids know that you're poor. Oh, yeah, it stands right out. <laughs> either peanut butter and jelly, or if you're the kid who brings all those bologna every day. Well, right, right, right. And all those, like, uh, those those pretentious, like, roast beef kids oh, would always no. make fun of you. <laughs> the ones, yeah, the roast beef for the pastrami right. kids or something. Yeah. And the ones who, it was never just two slices of just regular white bread. It was the full bulky roll of the right, Italian right. sandwich yeah, bread. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. No them. wonder bread for that. Oh, fuck that. Uh, well, anyway, R-rated comedy. And this, I don't. This wasn't R-rated, uh, to my knowledge. But which one? No, I'm segueing. Oh, okay. I've moved on. Yes, it was. No, 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 I've moved on. Um, to a comedy that is ten years old this week. Hold on. Huh? I have no fucking idea where you're going with this. One of the greatest comedies of the of the 2000 decade. American Wedding. No. Oh. Gold member. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Ten years old. Is it really? Yeah. That that movie that, just surprised the hell out of everybody. Speaking of movies that really, for me, have no ceiling on how many times you can watch it, and it, it's just awesome. Oh, yeah. I Napoleon Dynamite, I can sit and watch... Over and over. It, it's just such a quirky, understated film. That one was just all about the oddball characters yeah. they threw at you. The story, fuck this, there really is no story here. It's Napoleon wants to, <laughs> wants to date somebody, I guess. And, but it's it's just yeah, the character. Yeah, there is no story here. It's, it is. It's just a character study of a few days in the life of this kid, Napoleon Dynamite. I, I don't know who hasn't seen this movie yet, but... I. If you haven't, I implore you to right. see it. It I, is so good. And the thing is, it's funny because by when that movie came out, I was in full, absolute hatred of MTV, which continues today. And that was an MTV Films picture. But yeah. it, I get it in that case. They just realized, you know what? There are enough films that just give us the quirky characters. Did you that, see that in the theater? I didn't. I didn't either. I was actually late to the Napoleon. So was I. I had a buddy who saw it. And and I remember the trailers coming on, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? But it didn't have a long run. I mean, that thing's right. No, I didn't make... I couldn't have made a whole lot of money. It couldn't have cost a whole lot of money either. It made bank when it hit... It was... 
to a lesser extent than Austin Powers. It made bank when it landed on DVD. Well, we're talking about a movie, too, that didn't really have any star power behind it at the time. I mean, you had some character actors, Uncle Rico. Honestly, the biggest actor in that movie at the time would have been Diedrich Bader. At the time, most well known. At the yeah, time. Him and, and John uh, Grease, or I think it's Grease, is the guy who was Uncle Rico. Yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt. But Bader would have been about, what, five years removed Peter, from... Come on, dude. Rex Quando. It's <laughs> <laughs> some of the greatest stuff out. <laughs> this is just... Those god-awful red, white, and blue this is This is what is such a creatively written and creatively acted thing. This this is what's missing from a lot of comedies yeah. today. This was just so, so minimalistic and creative. And, and the actors just pulled it. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite is such they a... They just had so much freaking character. And that's one of those movies that certain scenes just stick with you. Yeah. They're just freaking awesome. The... When, when he and, and his brother are trying to try out that time travel machine, oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. is he forgot the crystals. It's <laughs> 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 like, doesn't work. Piece of right. shit. Right. <laughs> it's, it's I could have told you that. Oh, <laughs> And <laughs> come on. Yeah, there's a stereotype. <laughs> but it was such, just... Just a goddamn good movie. Yeah, I, no doubt. Yeah, I, that old. thing's ten years old. Hopefully there will be some kind of... Special edition of that rolling out with something behind it. I mean, even John Henner, who has... He's done some stuff since, but really, he'll always be Napoleon Dynamite. I think so, yeah. And don't even get me started on Ephraim... uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Pedro. Pedro. Uh, Ephraim... Ephraim something. We'll just call it Gonzalo. (laughs) (laughs) Pedro Sanchez. (laughs) Uh, good stuff. You got anything to, to add here? That's all I really had for, uh... Trying to think if there was any other big news. Really, there isn't. Uh, other than the world being shocked by the Harrison Ford stuff. But that's I will, well, a, yeah. That's not really big news. We'll Whatever. get over it. Whatever. I, I, I have, I have a, uh, confession to make. Are don't you about don't, to, don't are you about to come out of the closet on no, me? No. Do we need to have a conversation with no, Sid? Okay. No. Um, in anticipation of this weekend, not in relation to this podcast, but figuring that I, I can't be left out of big things that are happening, I rewatched Twenty One Jump Street the other night. Now, this You're is, going to claim to liking this, this movie a, more the next time. I am going to claim that I liked it better the second time. I don't I love don't it. even know you anymore. I don't love it. I still think it has a lot of problems. Get your his and his towels out of my goddamn house. But I liked it better the second time through. That's all I'm going to say. Why? I, what, what did we miss on our first take with this movie? I you know well a part of it may be that the first one came out we were still pretty much hating on the whole Apatow crowd the whole Jonah Hill all that kind of stuff and you know just I also wasn't a big fan of how they took what Twenty One Jump Street was and just decided to make it some buddy comedy and stuff like that um, I'm not going to say the movie was great by any stretch I didn't laugh a lot. But I chuckled, I think, a lot more watching it the second time than I did the first time. 
And now that now that I've seen what Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum are capable of as as performers over the last couple of years, maybe I can appreciate them more in the movie. From well, the top. Channing Tatum is what he's he's officially Daredevil. Uh, I heard he was. They were talking about it. I haven't I haven't heard any. You're talking for the Netflix series? Yes. I, haven't, I, haven't I don't know if it's locked down. No, Vincent D'Onofrio's locked down yeah, in the series. But I, I, I was I, really hoping they'd, they'd lock into Michael C. Hall for that. Yeah, it, it sounds like right now the front runner is Channing Tatum, which I get because right now he, he uh, is. But is he too big for that? Is he no, going to be the Ryan Reynolds as Green I'm Lantern not thing? saying that I agree with the casting. I'm saying I would get people going with it. I don't get the Channing Tatum thing. I don't think he can act his way out of a paper fucking bag. But ah, I, I think that he's one of those people that he's got the body chicks like, and he's supposed to be as likable and nice a guy as you can meet. Right. So I, I get it. I just I don't know. That I'll I give a guy. I will give a guy who's down to earth and is into his fans and is not yeah. some pretentious Hollywood douchebag. Yeah, there's nothing about. I that will give them a leg up, even if their acting is a little bit subpar, I would I will I will go around, oh, I, rally I, I, around right. them more than I'll rally around some douchebag who can like Sean Penn, who is a phenomenal actor, but is a complete Russell Crowe who's beating up reporters and chucking yeah. cell phones at yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, those those kind of assholes. Yeah, I agree. And I I'll certain I'll certainly say you know Channing Tatum's down to earth with the character he played in this is the end. When sure. all of a sudden he ended up as frickin' uh, what's his putz's bitch on all fours as yeah. the gimp. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, yeah. I just I just felt I needed to get that off my chest that I saw Twenty One Jump Street again and I liked it better the second time. Not saying that you should go and, and test no, the I'm theory. Not going to. I'm just saying. <laughs> I I actually liked it a little more than you did the first time. Not much. I think I gave it a two. I, I just thought it was a little bit. The hype machine on that was working overtime, and it was getting way well, and, more and, love and than it Admittedly, needed. this is where I could have a problem because I'm such a cynic about it. And I remember when I saw it, it was still in the theaters, and that was when it was on like the second week of being a ta- one of the number one or two films. And everyone was claiming it was the, one of the best R-rated comedies in years. And I saw it, I'm like... I've seen all this. Before. I like Horrible Bosses better than I like Twenty One. I would definitely Horrible Bosses is a great film. I like Horrible Bosses. It's a lot. got great in characters, spite, but you know Jennifer Aniston aside, I liked that was a funny movie. Right, but the Jennifer Aniston character didn't gives hurt. it a couple more points. <laughs> doesn't doesn't hurt. Just seeing Jennifer <laughs> Aniston wearing some of the outfits. Yes. What? I'm not nude. You can't see my pussy. I'm right. down, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, uh, that, that's, I'm just saying that I, I will see 22 Jump Street at some point. Right. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go out to the theater and see it. I have something to confess. Oh no, I'm gay. <laughs> just had to say it. <laughs> that, we all knew that. Oh, all right. Well, I just you know, uh, eh. let's get some freshies and uh, talk some what we watch. All right.
So, the cool thing about being uh, three weeks since the last podcast is that we've uh, we've seen a few things since then. But it's going to be interesting because this time, for the most part, we've seen things that we... Well, let me rephrase. I was warned that horribly. We both have seen the same movies. Yeah, two of them. And, and when we get into the Bobcat discussion, sure. Yeah. Um, oh, and that's... Yeah, that's... that's Part and parcel to it is we, there was also some amping up for the bo- uh, Bobcat discussion. Right. Um, so you you wanted to bring up a... a I'll bring up a doc that's on Netflix now. I was excited to see it, which I probably should never have ordered it that way considering what it is. So it's that, actually a documentary. It's, it is, it's a documentary style film. And it's which a, it's you a, don't usually get into. I don't, and the only reason... Because you're not as cultured as I am. I am not. The thing with documentaries is I love documentaries, but if I'm, if it's the middle of the night and I'm gaming and I want something to kind of zone out with, documentary isn't it, because a good documentary makes you think and makes you consider the politics around this stuff, which is funny because I'm going to bring this film up, which doesn't do any of that. And that would be, I saw the film Unhung Hero, which is the true, sto- uh, true documentary by Patrick Moot. Who most people will remember the story, they won't remember him. And that's that he was a YouTube sensation for the wrong reasons. He's the dude who proposed to uh, his girlfriend at, I believe, an NBA game on the Jumbotron and she turned him down. And when challenged as to why she turned him down, it was her comment was that he's just not hung well enough for her. You know those kiss cams they have at sporting events? Yeah, have you seen them? Well, take a good look at what happened two days before Christmas. <laughs> a really embarrassing moment. Hit YouTube on Monday. You must feel like a real ass, man. What the hell is wrong with you? My name's Patrick Moot, and apparently I have a small penis. She told me that one of the main reasons that she didn't think that we were right for each other was because my penis was a little too small for her. What? Patrick and I had his first experience in the bedroom. I don't remember much. I thought we were just making out. Sex is a very important part yeah. of the relationship. Anybody says the size doesn't matter. I don't think that size matters that much. Guys with small dicks that say that. I think that the men of the world deserve an answer to this question, and so I'm going to find it. So that's pretty shallow. That's, and obviously her life hasn't been the best since then because that's about, first thing is to American guys, that's about the worst thing you could ever say to one. You could tell them they're they're not good enough looking. That would be less of a kick to the pills than saying you got a little dick. And, and that's the whole point of this movie. And the reason I got on it. Why is she with this guy to begin with up to the point where he feels he can he can propose? And, 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 as, and as I understand the story, they've been together for quite a few months. And yeah, I don't know. She, and she's never really acknowledged why. And acknowledged, she never come out and said whether or not she just didn't know how to respond when he challenged her on it. So she decided to insult him. But instead of just saying, well, fuck, because this thing literally was on all the major news outlets and everything else. Oh, look what happened to this poor guy. He spun it and turned it into, well, you know what? The shit I've got, unfortunately, no pun intended, the junk I've got to deal with is out there. So I may as well run with it. And the reason I got hooked, uh, got hip to the idea is he's been on Doug Loves Movies podcast a few times, and he's basically turned this into a entry-level stand-up comic kind of career. Look, you already know about the size of my junk. 
Let's see what we can do with it. And that's what this movie is. It's his kind of quest to get himself bigger. And about all the, the myths and ideas that Americans have about how to make things bigger and what dudes will go to because we have this problem in America that unless you're not a certain size, you're not big enough. And it, it, some of the stuff that he goes through and he sees is just absolutely nuts. He's, he starts with a regimen of taking the, uh, oh, what was the pill that Jimmy Johnson was doing the advertisements for? Extends. And he's popping those. He's doing something called like yoggling or yuggling, where it's basically masturbation without rubbing one out. But you have to do like 40 rubs in the morning, 40 in the evening, and every week you increase it by double. And, and he had this big rotation of it and saw like a quarter inch growth. And he met with doctors who told him, well, he's low average. And, but then they start jetting him off around the country, uh, around the world, meeting different tribal things of, of making it bigger. And going to like Korea will actually do operations where they'll graft skin from other parts of your body on it to make it bigger. And it's more about just the American myth of what is right and what's wrong. And where it really comes up is at one point he goes to Germany to a condom factory and meets there, talks to the owner and the owner's like, we do 55 different condoms here, all different sizes. And he's, what, what, how big are you? The guy says, he goes, eh, that's, that's normal Asian men. That's, that's nothing. You Americans, I don't know what your problem with this is. If it works, it's good. And it, it was fine when it was giving you that. It, it, it's all, it's funny at times. It's a little scary at times. With some of this, and it literally begins with him sitting there contemplating. I think he's in, not Jamaica, but it's, it's in a place sketchy like that. And they're about to inject an almost steroid thing in the head of his dick. And then seven more in different parts of his shaft to make it bigger. And it's him saying, well, will it hurt? Eh, you may feel a little the first time. But oh, come this second, third, it won't be so bad. And then it cuts to the backstory and all the news stories and him, how he got to where he is. When it's giving you the history and the cultural piece, it's actually a really interesting documentary. You see way more in the junk than you ever wanted to, but it's still fascinating. The problem is it becomes a documentary also on self-discovery. And this is where it doesn't work as well, mainly because you know he's turned this into being a stand-up comic. So it's almost like he's but saying... I, li I like people who can take their shortcomings. Well, it, it, the <laughs> thing, it, that's kind of... It's like... Great, you're running with it, and I, and I love the fact that you are, but where you were fascinated was bringing all these people in, I can get what you're giving me now out of your stand-up comic routines, which are fine, but it's not the best thing. The best thing is, it's just amazing to see how much people, uh, how much people go through just to make things bigger. And there's also this weird angle around him going to a sex shop. For a penis enlarger, and he wasn't supposed to be videotaping, gets caught by the rather attractive girl running the store. And strangely, she appears a week later at a porno industry event mm. as a presenter. And then, oddly, in the end, he's dating her. And there's a part of me that feels like it just feels fake. 
Yeah. It, it almost feels like a fix. It is a great movie for obvious reasons. This is not a family doc. It's, it doesn't pull any punches, but it's fascinating as hell. Pulls a few things. Well, it does. I, I do <laughs> recommend it highly, though. I find it may it, It's about 15 minutes too long. I could give it a 3.5 out of 5. It's well worth seeing. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Well, the other two flicks we're going to talk about, we've both seen. Yes, we have. And they're two decidedly different movies. Slightly, yeah. I want to start with Ping Pong Summer. It's that time of the year. The weather's warmer. Sort of. (laughs) It's, It's... Today's sticky, I'll say that. Um, but it's the kind of it's it, it's it's the time of year for summer flicks, and which means which means I have to pull the way way back out of my uh, oh fuck yeah off my shelf and watch that again soon. Definitely one of the absolute best films of 2013. <clears throat> yeah. Three listeners, if you have not seen this movie, yeah. you owe us. You've been getting yes. free funny here. Yes. You owe us. Watch the way way back. Uh, so Ping Pong Summer uh, sort of f- feels a little bit like it's in that vein of the family summer vacation type movie, uh, but but doesn't doesn't go to the dramatic lengths by any stretch of things like The Way Way Back or The Kings of Summer or something like I that. I would say it's The Way Way Back meets The Goldbergs. Perhaps it, it, it where the Goldbergs has an overrolling overruling theme during every episode, yep. but it leans way towards the way more towards the funny than the heavy. Yeah. There, yeah. There's no dramatic point. It is yeah. what it is. It, it, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say by any stretch that Ping Pong Summer is spoofing the eighties. Oh not no, like this is a very respectful nod to the types of things that the eighties gave us, but in a tongue in cheek manner. Yep. Um, it, it, it reveres the 80s. It doesn't make fun of the 80s. Not at all. Um, but if you're looking for some sort of dramatic thing going on, it's all sort of very, very, uh, very forced dr- drama here. It's not, uh, it's not something like The Way Way Back. But it's still a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, I, the thing is, it helps because I found myself liking the kid. And, and I felt bad for him in the top of my head. I can't think of what his goddamn name was. Yeah, Rad. It was Rad. Yeah. And, Rad Miracle. And <laughs> That's right, his last name was Miracle. <laughs> which is and, uh, which is a very 80s thing in itself. And it was fascinating that his parents were Leah Thompson and John, John Hanna, Hanna, who I kept looking at him going, by Caesar's cock, or the gods keep stuffing <laughs> cock and ass. Yes. <laughs> John but, Hanna of uh, Spartacus. Of Spartacus and mummy fame. Yeah. Um, but I found myself just liking this kid because I, I, I think there was a certain... I'm watching going, yeah, there was a part of me that was in that kid. Even though I wasn't the kid who embraced the 80s version of rap, which he was, doing right. the, the trying to do his version of the breakdance and everything right. else. And his... African American friend dude was just off the hook. Well, and then the cliche dad of the kid. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> I can't remember what the kid's name is. The, the, the black kid. But when he goes, it shows up to the hotel, yeah. or whatever the guy and the kid lives at. Yeah. Dad, no man, he ain't here. Yeah, yeah. Where's he at? I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, the kid had been toting, uh, talking up his father, and there was yeah. kind of the well, this is. 
this is the reality of it. Bradford made a new friend named Teddy, and they've been playing ping pong every afternoon at the Fun Hub. The Fun Hub is for serious ping pong players, not dark quantities. You're a ping pong champion? Sam, can you help me? Let's do it. But yeah, it, it definitely intentionally skewered all of the 80 stereotypes. Well, I, I am such a big fan, uh, and it's something the Way Way Back did really well. It's something this movie did well, of just that... That family trip where you just go to some freaking beach town, mm -hmm. stay in somebody else's freaking house and stuff like that. And just what was up with the old people? Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> the old guy that sitting naked in the sink. <laughs> that was funny. Dude. <laughs> um, it, it, it just, just that whole, like, you know, kicking it in somebody. And I wish... I want to do that now. I want to do that now where I can actually, like, imbibe in some in some alcoholic beverages. I want to be in the way, way back. And I want to be the neighbor who just, just, all they're doing is they're, they're popping something open at 10 a.m. in the morning. And, and flow. And, yeah. And just float from place to place. Yeah. That, that is the honest. life I There is right a now. certain aspect of our Huey Lewis day that that's what yes. we're looking at. Uh, dude, I am, I am, I am, <laughs> this is... We can't get there early enough. When the bar's open, I want to be Huey there. Huey Lewis Day on Hampton Beach is about 25% Huey Lewis for me. Oh, I, I keep having to remind myself there's a concert at the I end of that I can't wait day. for Huey Lewis, but I cannot wait to just go and chill on some deck in under an umbrella and drink and, and yeah. just watch the beach thing. Yeah, what, what, what? I'm going to be so disappointed if the weather's shitty that day. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, find out what that bucket of ice with the yeah. beers in it deal is. Yeah. If they got Sam Adams or something like that, that's yeah, you worth know it. it'll be Budweiser, uh, which means <laughs> we won't be doing it. Right, we'll have to deal with just getting the waitress. But but that is what it is, and and there's a certain nostalgic piece around that. Yes. I don't know that that happens as much anymore. Well, we don't. Well, really live certain, maybe certain variations do. Because all these are located. You always this one was based on what Jersey, I. think. Yeah, yeah. Way, way back was Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It, it's We don't really live in that area. You know, we could go to Old Orchard and do it, but I'm not going it's to go little, to Old Orchard. It's a little different there. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel the same. Although, although, but even, even I could appreciate levels of that. I yeah. could appreciate just kind of... Sitting curbside with a bucket of pure fries and, and you know what it is because during those moments you don't feel anchored to anything, right? But I want I want people driving by in convertibles with the music cranking and and just all just mingling with all sorts of different characters of yep. society, and and the, that's what these movies do, and it's just so much fun. And they also bring they remind me of my youth, and and I don't want to make it sound like. 
being a kid is easy because it's not. You deal with your own shit. But there's a certain amount of innocence around it because that was also when you weren't attaching dollar signs to all what this was. You just did it. You were you were able to just enjoy it. Speaking of which, I know that uh, I know Mom gave Rad twenty bucks to go. Here's your money for the summer. That twenty bucks went an awful oh, long dude. way over the. <laughs> Even in the eighties, that twenty, I would drop five bucks every afternoon at the goddamn arcade. Oh, yeah. any issue, absolutely. Because five bucks meant thirty of your of the uh, tokens. Right. It was what four for a buck. Right. Thirty, you know, five for a buck, thirty for five bucks. And you knew, and you knew damn well if you were out of that twenty bucks that they were going to give you more. Oh money. hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to get you out of that yeah, Right. They, 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 I, I, you, you didn't know, want to know what they were going to do. They just didn't want you there when they right. were doing it. Right. Um, but anyway, the, the, the kid in this, he, he goes to this, uh, to this arcade, and apparently he's a ping pong fanatic. Um, not a very good ping pong player, I guess. No, but, no. But uh, it, you know, when I was that age, um, the ping pong table was basically some place to just put your drink while you were rocking, rocking some Zacks on. I'm, right, <laughs> I I'm still can't play ping pong, dude. I'm awful. I just but I just don't I had know. No interest. Don't know who was playing ping no. pong other no. than other than the Chinese and the Koreans. But uh, then then there's these two bullies. That come in and they're just well, ripped they're right from the pages 80s. of stereotypes. It was yeah. it was the, the the lead bully who was the the handsome little rich kid and this slightly off looking toady guy. Oh, and he but was, who would be the first to make insulting comment? The whole thing just because that was what you have to do is you got to be the first right. to first to throw down if you're toady guy. He's the biggest dork in the whole thing. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> but, but he's the toady guy. And before, before to to burst your bubble a little bit, um, what was her name in, in it? The the chick. She oh, was, the one that he falls for. She was sixteen. Just saying. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. What about his goth sister? I don't know. I I I thought she was hot. <laughs> I was more into the uh, the pixie sticks chick, but yeah, then I saw she was sixteen, and I'm like, I I I went and took a shower. And, Kicked myself in the genitals a few times. Yeah, well, at least we know we got Chloe Grace Moretz about to finally land at the right age. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, ping pong summer was just uh, it was it, it was, was fun, harmless fun. Yeah, it, 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 there's, there's and I don't remember that there's nothing even objectionable for anybody in this. I don't think it was rated. R, was it? Oh, no. It was definitely a PG-13 level yeah. movie. And yeah. I think that could have even gotten a PG. I don't remember anything. This could easily be something for a family to sit and watch and have yeah. no problem. No, it was it was, it was was just a fun little summer movie. I mean, you know, it's no way, way back, but... Uh, it wasn't trying to be. It wasn't trying to be. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Um, which brings us to the other thing. Well, flick. what's your yeah. rate? What? Oh, for Ping Pong Summer? Um... If just for pure entertainment value, I'll give it a four out of five. And I'd, I'd land on three point five. As five. a movie, you're probably more like a two out of five. Right, five. but it, it's just, it's just entertaining. You're, you're listening to two people that just yeah. revere the '80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And Huey Lewis days, apparently. Yes. Um, so the other movie we saw, and you just—it's fresh in your mind. It's yeah. a few days in my mind. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, sir. The new Tom Cruise flick. What are you, what's your thoughts on Cruise? I've always liked Cruise. Here's the deal. Squirrel, um, but when I, like I, I was doing my article for the site on Cruise films, 
you need to disconnect Cruz the actor from Cruz with the capital TC. The Tom Cruise machine has made Tom Cruise way worse than Tom Cruise is. I don't want to hear any more about Scientology. I don't want to hear any more comments about being glib around meds for pregnant moms or whatever that little battle he was having. I don't want to hear any of that bullshit. I don't want to see any more Oprah bouncing up, uh, him bouncing up down Oprah's couch. He's a damn good actor. Mm. And he also seems, for the most part, to know the right scripts to land on. He see, I, I would challenge people to give me a movie that they saw him in that flat out sucked. Not that you disliked a movie that you can say everybody feels is a shitty movie. And you'd be hard pressed well, to come up with more than one or two. Well, there's, there's, here's a good example of a movie that I know, I think it ended up in single digits, um... He had that one a few years ago, Lions to Lambs or Wolves to Lambs or something. I don't know about that one. Um, this is one of his early flicks. I believe it's single digits in RT, but I find just harmlessly entertaining is Cocktail. Right. Um, I could watch Cocktail. Well, part because Elizabeth Shue is... is and I would challenge people to give it that low a rating... To remind people that actually back then, Tom Cruise was seen more of a sex symbol than he was a big oh, actor. sure. That sure. was all about the sex appeal of Tom yep. Cruise. Yep. And, no and whereas in the 90s is when he started hitting a stride for his acting ability. Yep. When they landed him in Interview of the Vampire. And Which I love. That's a great movie. And a bunch of films like that. Um, and, and I think I even called out Color of Money is one of them that yeah. it's hard for people to remember that he did that movie or yeah. Born on the Fourth of, of July, which was a fantastic acting job. If Scorsese lands on you at his age, he sees something in you that maybe other people aren't seeing. And again, Tom Cruise in the eighties was all sex appeal. Sure. And come the nineties, he'd actually hit his stride. I like his movies a lot. I still don't like the Tom Cruise machine. I, I find the stories of like... But is that Tom Cruise's fault? I don't know. Um, when uh, he was married to Katie... Katie Holmes. And the, the stories came out that his lawyers basically... The marriage was basically to get her an eight-movie deal. Basically to get rid of the gay rumors, that kind of thing. It's it, I don't know how much involvement he has in this... I do know he was the one bouncing up and down on Oprah's couch. Oh, yes. I do know he is the one that's a Scientologist. Yeah. I do know he was the one getting the pissing contest with what's his pusts from Good Morning America or whatever Mm. on the the meds. He's the one making those comments, so there's something behind it. I can disconnect that when I'm watching him, though. And I'm also finding... What I'm finding fascinating right now is... And I think Edge of Tomorrow's numbers are suffering from it. I think that people right now are getting tired of Tom Cruise. And what bums me out is I think they may be missing some of the more interesting Tom Cruise roles because they're a little left of center for Tom Cruise. Yeah. In this movie, all the trailers show him as the hero. They are way the fuck off. Mm. He, he's anything but when this movie begins. For the first hour, he's anything but a hero in this movie. Yeah. 
And he's had a lot of these roles that people don't talk about. Collateral, again, is a movie people glance right over. I like Fantastic film. I also enjoyed the hell out of Jack Reacher. Yeah, I haven't seen Jack Reacher. I need to see that one. It's in my instant queue. I like Jack Reacher a lot. But yeah, I I think people need to lay off Tom Cruise as as an actor. If you want to be on him for the psychosis, go rock on. That's your right. But you can't say you don't like his movies if you're not watching his movies. Mm. That's not right. So we watched Edge of Tomorrow. We did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it may be one of the better sci-fi films I've seen in a few years. Stop. Wait. 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 Stop. Wait. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did I be thinking? I mean, this thing's in my blood. So maybe there's some way I can transfer it to you. I've tried everything. It doesn't work. I mean, have you, you know, tried all, all the options? Oh, you mean sex? Yeah, tried it. How many times? All right. Um, I, I think... Going in, I was afraid that it was going to get Groundhog's Day, and you, you had a, I, I kept saying it's Terminator because of the different, I can't remember what they're called, the, the, their versions of the dropships. Um, your reference was term, it was uh, Groundhog's Day meets Source Code, far better example. Um, but I will say the story that got worked out, granted, it's based off a of source work that to my knowledge is a Korean or Japanese animated, I mean graphic novel, it, was really, really well done. It, it gave me something that I could really chew on. Um, and again, I like the fact that it started off with him not being a hero by any stretch. Right. He was just a, he was basically just a con man for the, for the army. Yeah. He, you know, he was convincing that... people that this was a battle worth fighting and, and join the yep. cause and all this kind of stuff. And he's one of the biggest candy ass pusses around there who, you know when he's when he's confronted with having to 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 put his money put the money where the mouth is, he wants no part of it. No, 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 no. You know he and he even makes the comment, "Look, I did this so I wouldn't be up there on the front line." Basically, admitting the fact that he became the reporter yeah. solely so he wouldn't ever have to be in the shit. Yeah, and he somehow built up rank because he was just the pretty enough face and could put things just the right way that people embraced it and ran with it and the military used that to their advantage. Hey, it's one less, yes, it's one less warrior, but it's doing more morale wise. So I, I got it. And I also liked the turn of a uh, turn of events that brought him to where we were. Something that this movie did that I absolutely love in sci-fi films have done right is leading off with those news stories of the backstories mm. of where what got you to the, the now in a movie that people don't even reference anymore. It's only like two years old that actually did about the best version of it. Was it Battlefield Earth or oh no Battlefield L A. Was the one oh, that yeah, was yeah, the yeah, yeah. alien attack with, um, with Aaron Eckhart, which I it, actually did. I like the movie, but when it, it starts and then like five minutes in, it gives you the twenty four hours leading up with all the news broadcasting. I love that approach to this type of filmmaking. It really gives you some kind of base to work from. And it puts you right in what the situation is. And it seemed dire as shit mm. in this movie. Um, so to, to start the movie off with that, 
I freaking loved it. I found myself just absolutely enthralled within two minutes of this thing beginning. Right. And it had already given me enough to, to go with. You got enough to actually cling to. The other thing that I like about this movie is... Well, other than Tom Cruise, let's give it up for Bill Paxton. Oh, he's awesome. As <laughs> you don't even recognize him. No, as, as Farrell from as Farrell, yeah. as from Scienceville, Science something, Kentucky. Yeah, and, and the whole conversation uh, with, with uh, Tom Cruise's Cage character says, "Well, I'm from Cranberry, New Jersey. Yeah, you raise any cranberries there? No, tomatoes actually." You raise it, you do anything science in here? I hadn't really ever thought about it. Don't care. Yeah. Get in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is a great character. Right. There were enough other characters to cling to in this movie. I really enjoyed it. And Emily, Emily Blunt's character was fantastic. Oh, she was great. You know, it, it was a good, it was good to see a, a strong female, um, really a female lead, um, that, that wasn't, uh, patronized as some sort of damsel in distress. No, so I, she was... You she could make just an argument that she was more badass, in yeah. fact, than him. Oh, I agree. And certainly the scene when they're in the garage discussing, discussing the helicopter thing yeah. was, I'm like, she's did, amping this up. I did have a little problem with that, though. When he tells her that you go in there and that blows up, why does she go in there? Because after, after everything you've led, that's led up to this point, how would you not trust him at this point? Uh, I found myself saying, you've already used the that I'll cap you and we'll, we'll repeat. Right. Then let's find a way to kill off the mimics yeah. before we fire this helicopter. Because we agree, this helicopter is part and parcel to getting where we are. Yeah. We've gotten to this point. We know how to get to this point. We can anticipate. So we've got to figure out some way to get another one of those suits this far. That Then as the mimics start popping, we can take them out. We know where they're going to come from. Right. And, and that was... You you almost have to disconnect yourself from those pieces where you're going, if you know this, and they, clearly in this movie, they're not talking just like 50 reboots. He's been through this over yes. a thousand times. Yes. So, if that's the case, then what's a thousand and one? And, that, and that's, a lot of this movie does feel like a video game that you're playing and that you die and you just keep resetting and going back to square one. The old scroller style where yeah. you knew that the same thing would happen every time. Right. And and like a lot of, uh, and I will say like a lot of video games, the boss battle at the end is a little bit of a letdown. It is. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't ultimately kill the movie, but after all of this, after all of this getting to this, this, uh, the brain or whatever it is in, inside the Louvre, it's like really that—that's it, you know. And, yeah. And and then and then I also don't know if I like the absolute ending of the film. It either. was very Hollywood. I'm like, because why? I'm, how? I, I don't even get how this happened. Right. I, I can't even wrap myself around right. how. And I, I can't be spoiler. We both know mm -hmm. what we're talking about mm -hmm. how it happened, and then didn't. Right. It makes no sense to me. Because it did. Right. General's talking about this on the news. Yeah. But it didn't. And it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I would have rather the ending had been a bad ending. It wouldn't have been, let me rephrase it, bad with quotes around it. Something that Americans don't like, but I think it would have worked here way more yeah. than what we got. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, to those that are not Tom Cruise fans, the very last shot 
may actually be a little problematic then because there's almost something a little smirky about it. I don't know. I don't know that I liked it. I think that the first 95% of this film is fantastic. Yeah, and I need to see it again to see if I've, I missed some some pieces of it that will, will help reconcile that ending for me. I, I can tell but you. It, it just seems like it's like, all right, we, we got off this point. We were smart. We were intelligent about getting to here. But we need to, to tack on this Hollywood ending that, that people and audiences are going to embrace. And yeah, it's a little disappointing. It's a little... It's a little, a bit of a head scratcher because you don't really, after what you've seen, you don't really understand how you got to this point. Right. It, it really makes no sense. I, I can't follow the timeline. For me, it's still the best sort of, uh, yeah, it's a blockbuster, I guess, but the best reined in block, sci-fi blockbusters for me since Looper. Yeah. And that's a great comparison because Looper was one of those came out like February or March. I found myself thinking if this movie had dropped in February or March, it would have been fucking amazing. It could have easily done way more than it is now because then word of mouth would have worked. There wouldn't have been as many distractions going on. Right. Certainly would have wanted to come out prior to Captain coming out. Um, but I think this movie right now, like I say, is being victimized because people, for some reason, are really into a Tom Cruise hatred. And it, it, I'll also say, horrible title. Edge of Tomorrow is a terrible... If they'd gone with the All You Need Is Kill, it's a little clunky. I, I still think it's better. Um, and I don't think the trailers do the movie justice. No, because I hated the trailers. Because I watch these trailers and I'm like, what the hell do you know what this thing's about? This just looks dumb. Yeah, and uh, my co our comment was, you know what it's going to be. He keeps dying, becoming a better warrior. Keeps dying, becoming a warrior, better warrior, and then finally he gets that day where he just dominates the battlefield and takes out the general. Well, and he he learned, and to a he learned extent, how to play the video game. Right to a certain extent, that's what it is. But the, the getting there was completely not what I expected. There are points in the in the middle of the movie where he's like, "Okay, turn left, duck, this kind of stuff." With that many buttons, and I'm waiting to see if the little the little triangle yeah. square buttons are showing up in the thing because it, it, it's very video game. Yeah, where they're mapping out the battlefield. Yeah. He's okay, going to go in a trench now. Okay, I'll turn left, shoot to left, turn right, take one step. One's going to yeah. pop up. I and it was crawl, crawl, stagger, stagger. Yeah. Very good yellow beard reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, th though this movie sadly isn't doing the box office it should. It is really, really worth seeing. And on the big screen, visually, it's fucking gorgeous. Sure. They do a great job with it. Yeah. All right. Four um, out of five for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay. Man, I may talk myself into three and a half because of the ending, but still definitely a solid right. sci-fi flick worth, worth watching. All right, we'll break and we will come back. We'll talk a little Bobcat Goldthwait. Right. What do you want me to say? Just keep talking. I gotta adjust these levels. Check one. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check one. I said that I, I would come on this trip to help you with your film, and it's your birthday. And we're going to have a great time, and I'm not about to say that I'm going to Bigfoot. Hi, I'm in Willow Creek, Mecca, to the Bigfoot community. He's all over the place. Oh, there he is. There is a thing we call the curse of Bigfoot. Your friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. We're getting close. 
about people back in these woods. I just don't like other people with other business. Turn that thing okay. on. For me, I know another way in. Right here. <laughs> what is my sock doing in the tree? Oh my god. Look at this. Did you see this? So I may have just gotten some evidence. Get into Bobcat Cultivate. I actually have a story I want to tell you. Okay. So, certain things I marvel at. As I'm pulling out of my driveway this morning, I look on my windshield, and there's this little green grasshopper fly. Do you ever have a bug get on your windshield and you go, let's see how long this fucker's gonna sit there? Sure. That fucker went from my house all the way to Main Mall Hannaford. He even got cocky. He walked down the windshield when I got to a stoplight and stood on my hood like, all right, old man, let's see what you can do. Finally, he just kind of, I, I got caught behind traffic and just flew away. I'm going, what the fuck? Was I just some taxi for you? You just got 25 miles out of me, bitch. Right. I don't, I just find this fascinating as shit. Anyway, Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, known mostly in the 80s as an actor. Yeah. As that, that real weird, quirky guy from the Police Academy flex. Yeah, it was Zed, I think yeah. was his name, in yeah. Police Academy too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a weird dude. He did at least one stand-up album back then, back in the 80s when people bought those And he those did things. it, like, as Zed, didn't he? Oh, he did that. That voice yeah, that was, was his shit. character. Yeah. It, it was called Meat Bob. I have it. And the album cover was his face in, a, in like a ground beef wrapper. Yep. And it was very much the weird, uh, the weird. I saw the Bobcat Goldthwait growling. And, but it was, he was an underrated comic. I don't yep. think people got quite how funny he was. They just thought, oh, it's the guy that does that growly voice thing. Right. Because he also did that in the Whoopi Goldberg film, Burglar, I want to say. Mm, which I did not see. You didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I don't need to see. Other than Ghost, I don't think I've seen a whoopee flick. Yeah. I... Ghost was what it was. I, I saw it. No, there's one I guarantee you have seen. Jumpin' Jack Flash. I've never seen Jumpin' you Jack You didn't Flash. see that? Nope, didn't 86? See that. that was see, a hit. Yeah. Didn't see Eddie. You know, didn't see any of that whoopee shit. Yeah. Overrated as hell. Right there. Oh, whoopies. Whoopie, there yeah. Well. Um, anyway. Bobcat Goldthwait. So, over the years, he's become uh, kind of a, a fairly accomplished director, but definitely a different style of flick. Right. He, he's done a lot of TV stuff. Mm -hmm. He did The Man Show. He's done a bunch with Jimmy Kimmel. Mm -hmm. I want to say he did a bunch with Crank Anchors. Um, but his directing style, yeah, is very guerrilla style. Mm. At least that's the version we're getting now. Um, what what you get with him though in his in his filmography, and he, it's like what about five or six features? Um, well, <clears throat> Shakes the Clown. Yeah, that was I mean, the first, wasn't it? 
Sleeping Dogs alright. Uh, World's Greatest Day, God Bless America, Willow Creek, and there's one more in there somewhere, I want to say. Yeah, he directed, he direct Windy City Heat? Maybe. Um, but, but he's definitely got this different, like, eccentric style. It's very, it's, it's minimalist in that it's not, not, he's not, he's not anything high budget. Um, he, he tends to use a lot of, uh, a lot of locations that are, are familiar to him, that are almost like, uh, like if your friend owns a place, okay, can we shoot in your place kind of thing? That's the kind of, uh, kind of thing he does to keep his budget slow. But a lot, a, a thing that he does with his flicks is that he injects a lot of societal commentary into his films and then he puts the context of those films into these quirky scenarios and, and he did it I, I thought it was especially with like shakes the clown right you, you definitely you basically got this this community of clown which in and of itself is sort of funny even though i hate clowns yeah but it was the thought that there's this was what palookaville right yeah yeah. That just exists where the clowns all come from. When you get birthday clowns, this is where they come rolling out of. Birthday clowns, rodeo clowns, all this kind of stuff. But they have their own little cliques, which were a, yes. a statement about different types of life yes. that that type of clown was based on. Right. That birthday clown was normal clown. They were the ones that would go like the businessmen every evening and sit and get hammered at the regular bar. Right. Rodeo clown... That's that's redneck clown. They right. go to redneck bars, shit kicking, bull riding, and everything else. And you had mine. You had mine, and they were always in the park doing their delicate things, and they were the lowest level of clown. <laughs> so yeah, he he takes like an everyday scenario this the, of these cliques of these societal these societal cliques, and he just turns them into clowns. Yep, and. It's it's nothing for these dudes to just be sitting around in the bar in clown gear with their beers, talking about things that normal people would be talking about in the thing. And, and you know, he's he's an alcoholic clown. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really the statement about how alcoholism, like, totally, like, just tears apart your world yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And and the and first chick they show him sleeping with is Florence is Henderson. Henderson, <laughs> you're my first clown. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this was like his first directorial, his first feature directorial, uh, yeah, effort, 1991, 91, 92, um, and I think you brought it up a couple of days ago. I said, yeah, it, I don't think I really laughed. It, the only part I laughed at was the part where they pull over and start beating up the mimes. That's funny as shit. That's funny They're cruising down the road and it's, mimes! <laughs> and then the mimes are like. Clowns! <laughs> Get run! In this movie was definitely done at a time when Bobcat was known more for his com for his mm -hmm. comedian than his being a director. And again, it's it's a weird disconnect because he pretty much disappeared after Shakespeare. Well, again, he did a few other movies in the early early nineties, but then he kind of disappeared until he had a resurgence in the late nineties, early two thousands. Tied with the Jimmy Kimmel and Addy Car and Corolla group, mm -hmm. and tied with Comedy Central. Good group to get in with. Oh well, yeah, and there's a lot to be. I know he's still buddies with both of them. Does a lot with them. Um, 
And Shakes the Clown to me, I remember when it first came out, I saw it, and I freaking adored the film. Yeah. And now it, it it doesn't play out as funny, but I would also say comedy is different to me now than it was in 91. Right. We're talking a movie that's now 23 years old. Right. And well, like I said, a lot, Bobcat makes these dark comedies, but it's really, if you really sit back and look at the societal commentary he's making through these films, that's really the point. Right. The comedy, of, of the, the fact that they're all clowns, yeah, it's funny and, and stuff, but that's not the point of the, of the film. Yeah, and every one of his films just has has this, you know, takes takes this subset of society and and what we think is is normal or or, or you know narcissistic societies or whatever whatever the the culture is is doing at the time, and he's making a statement about that. Yeah, and it almost turns it on its ear a little bit. Yeah. It really makes you step back. Yeah. Um, if. One of the interesting shows most people, in fact, this is a deep cut, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I even want to say it may predate The Man Show, he actually was director, I think, of every episode of a show called Strip Mall that aired on Comedy Central. And it was the exact same thing. It was basically this strip mall in the middle of fucking, like, some place out in the middle of New Mexico. And how each shot, the people in it were their own class, own mm-hmm. little society. Mm-hmm. And it was all, it, he's very into what's, what is and is not societal norms and how all these things interact with each other. He's into political co- commentary in a way that a lot of people don't realize they're getting his politics. Mm-hmm. And it, it, Bobcat's interesting because he, I, I, the only thing I can say is to me it's almost a highbrow, lowbrow. That he gives you highbrow commentary in a lowbrow sure. method. Good, you you feel that it's it's very dark. You feel that he's going somewhere that you shouldn't. A great example: Sleeping Dogs Lie. When actually, it's it's the theme you need to look at here. That's the important piece. He's just using an odd method of delivery of said message, and it for some it works, for others it's just too shocking to deal with. Right. So. Uh... You just recently rewatched Shakes the Clown, right? I did last Saturday. Um, and, and you, you, you think it's lost something over the? Uh, the years? I think I've lost something. I, I think for me, Shakes the Clown when I saw it in the nineties was just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant comedy. I loved. I got then that he was poking fun at bits of society, right? What's different now is, for me, the same kind of humor doesn't necessarily work with me. Which isn't to say nothing I saw in the 80s was funny. Because we've already referenced Vacation. Blazing Saddles is timeless. But a lot of comedies, when you revisit them 20 years later, they may not play out quite the same way. That's not a statement of the movie. It's, a, it's basically reminding yourself it was a different time then. Right. And Bobcat's... To me, Bobcat that you got from Shakes the Clown is totally different than what you get now from Bobcat. Oh, yeah. And Shakes the Clown was what it was in the early 90s. This wouldn't work as a movie now. Then it worked and worked fine. Well, like you said, um, that was in 91 when he was when he was fresh off his, uh, 
his the height of his stand up routines. So right. You know what shakes the clown? The reason it doesn't work as well. Shakes the clown still deals with ex- excess, which was way more of a theme in the eighties and early nineties than excess is now. Right. The the eighties was seen as the decade of excess, and anyone who lived in it will say yes, it was. Right, it was it was the greatest decade. <laughs> it was, the but that was, shakes the clown rolling out in ninety one means realistically it was being shot in eighty nine to ninety, mm-hmm. so it was still very much a part of the whole excess theme. Excess doesn't work as well twenty years later when now you're looked upon down upon if you start talking about a world with excess. Right, you couldn't really roll out a film like Animal House now and have it play the same way. You can tweak it. But it still won't have the same amount of life that Animal House did well, 30 get, years ago. You get neighbors when you right. do Animal House. Which today. you'll have an initial pulse of people want to see it, but then the buzz goes away. Right. Because it's just, it yeah. feels different. 30 years from now, people won't remember neighbors. No. Today, we still remember Animal House. Right. Because it landed at the right time, and when kept within its time, in the decade of excess, it works just perfectly fine. Right. So he, yeah. After Shakes, he uh, he really took about fifteen years off from feature filmmaking. Right. Did a lot of TV. Yep. Did a lot of TV, and then came back, uh, coming in with Sleeping Dogs Lie, which is a movie we watched last. Summer? Yeah, last summer we watched that. Um, it, it was it was okay. I it, it certainly I think it's I think it's my least favorite of Bobcat's films. I would agree. Um. It. But it, it was still interesting in that it, it it tackled the concept of taboos. Of taboos and how much is too much. Right. When, when are you really going too far? And the, the idea of Sleeping Dogs Lie, it's not even giving away a sleeper because it's literally the first 15 seconds of the film is, it, it's a woman who's engaged... She has told her, she and her fiancé are both virgins. They full disclosure. Her, they've gone full disclosure. <laughs> except one thing. There was that one night she got drunk, and she had her dog there, and she may have tasted said dog. Said dog's wares. The fruits of the dog. <laughs> the fruits of the Thus dog. Thus the title, Sleeping Dogs Lie. Uh. And so in, in this case, it has two completely different meanings. And it is... How much is too much in terms of full disclosure? Does that, your, that might be a little too much. Right. <laughs> and and that was basically the battle that she had to deal with is, do I tell my fiancé, who thinks I'm a virgin, that there was that one night... Are you still a virgin if you've done it with your dog? And the thing is, she hadn't even really fucked him. She blew the dog. Right. Because if you remember, I started with her brushing her teeth and stuff to get the taste out of her mouth. Yeah. Here's the deal. I wouldn't want to know. No. If if that's what you did, not you, but the female no. that I was I was engaged right. to, if you didn't tell me that, I'd be fine with not knowing because technically I don't think I I think that you're saying you were a virgin still holds. Uh-huh. But again, it's the full dis- you get those people that are psychotic about what full disclosure means. Right. That don't get the da- that don't ever consider the damage that they can do down the line. And I think that was kind of more what Bobcat was getting into here is people really need to consider what the fallout can be in terms of full disclosure. Uh-huh. There's a point when you're saying way too much. 
And this, this is where the girl went, and it basically is the film about the fallout. Within the first 15 minutes, you see the disclosure. It's everything that happens afterwards. Right. And, yeah, I would agree with you. It... I think all the best scenes are literally the first 15 minutes right. while she's building up to that point. Um, and it sort of, that theme almost sort of segues into his next flick, World's Greatest Dad with Rob Williams, in how full disclosure actually at the end frees him. Right. Um, World's Greatest Dad. And, and for me, World's Greatest Dad, I, I love God Bless America. I think World's Greatest Dad is his best flick. I, I, for me, I'll flip them, but it's one and one A. World's Greatest yeah. Dad, if people haven't seen that movie, they need and, to and see I'm this movie. And not a big Robin Williams guy. Either. He's Robin great Williams in this. is great in this flick. And it's, and, oh my God. And I, I That actually, kid that played his son. I, I wanted to strangle yeah. this kid. And he plays it so well as just this ingrateful douchebag. Yeah, who's into goth just because, well, it makes him dark. And dad, yeah. everything is about you. You and mom are no longer together. It's all on you. You're an, you're, well, he was what, an English teacher? He had a poetry. He had a poetry So, class. yeah, I can't even be proud of that. And I'm in the same school you teach at, so i got to fucking deal with it, dad. And... Something tragic happens with the son. Yes, that Robin Williams has to deal with. It embarrassingly it's, it's tragic. Worth, it's worth notice noting that Robin Williams is an aspiring writer who's never right. had any success. He's he's got envelope upon envelope of yes, sending of things rejection, out. Yeah, right. rejection letters to match. Um, and when when son uh, dies. Of interesting means. Yes, of interesting means. In excess style. Right. And we're talking about a kid here who really has no friends. Oh, no. people. He's, nobody likes him. He's an outcast. He's got one kid who, like, sort of tolerates But him. he's a douche of a kid. Yeah. He's, he's a total, awful. Yeah, right. He's a total douche to that kid. Doesn't even deserve the one friend he does have. So, but then Dad, to compensate, writes these letters. Right. He spins the death of the kid into a... A suicide and sort of makes the kid a martyr for the underappreciated, you know, kids, the misunderstood. Which also includes dad. Right. Because dad technically is among the misunderstood the entire time. Right. He is the, the little wormy guy that no one really gets to know. People right. like him. He's got gorgeous girlfriend who, dude, that chick That's was, the chick from Willow Creek. I didn't even notice Yeah, she so was... Land in world's greatest. Event. Alexi Gilmore. I want to see more of her in more ways than one. Well, you you saw her in uh, Willow Creek. Yeah, well, I you didn't see, see her. You saw more her. of I saw more of her boyfriend, a um, fiance in Willow Creek. Um, but yeah, it, it, way out of his league. In uh, yeah, in and she was. She was hotter in World's Greatest Dad, though. Okay. The scenes where they're sneaking off into other little classrooms mm -hmm. and things is it's like. Yeah, way out of his league. Mm -hmm. But great role for Robin Williams, and again, great commentary. Period from uh, from Bobcat Goldthwait here. Right, it's just a fantastic film. That's one of those that, to me, the ending flat out lives up to everything yeah. that it had been building up to deliver. Yeah, it is all but a perfect film that people just don't realize exists. Right. It's been on Netflix forever, and I don't know who even watched it. Right, and they're missing just a great film. It, it, yeah, it, it is. It's 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 about 
wanting that 15 minutes of fame and then realizing when you have that 15 minutes of fame that maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's about living a lie. It's about, um, uh, you know, manipulation and, and, and who, you know, it, it sort of expanding upon the lie you're living and, and how that affects everybody else. It, yeah, it's a phenomenal flick. For me, it's his, it's his, it's his best film from a commentary and, and a visual style and an acting perspective and all put together. I think it's his most complete film. Now that's a great comment because I, I could agree with you for me in terms of commentary, I'll take God bless America, but acting and, and, and filmmaking style. I do think you're right. World's greatest dad is probably better in that delivery where I think with me, the cynic in me puts God Bless America higher. Well, I think God, and I, I probably need to keep that in check. There's, that there's something that resonates so well in God Bless America. There's three or four years of, of separation between the two, too. And I think I think today's Kardashian, uh, Bieber-esque, TMZ, narcissistic society, I think God Bless America has a lot more to say about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, God Bless America is a great flick. And I've watched that one basically, five times. Yeah, it's basically... If, it, it, anybody who is just sick and tired of tuning into the internet or, or television and seeing nothing but but the Kardashians and this, this mad love for Miley Cyrus and things like that, you're going to love... If you hate that, you're going to love God Bless America because yeah. all it's doing is deconstructing that mindset... And putting it into characters that are like-minded as we are, that this is all bullshit. And, and they go to the extremes to sort of to deal with it. If you are somebody who's tired of what Americans have created for, of humanity, with the overly politically correct and everybody's emo needs aren't being met and everybody's emotional and we got to deal with the least common denominator... If you're tired of that mindset, God bless America's for you. Because the whole backbone of that movie is the idea that you have this poor dude whose entire life is going to shit all because humanity around him is going to shit. Right. He's got the, the ex-wife who agrees with his five-year-old that yes, he should have broken himself and bought his five-year-old an iPhone at the age of five. When he's like, she doesn't need it, she's five. But she wants it. So you give in right. and buy it for her. He gets fired because he gives flowers to that girl who was his friend at work. Right. Because he knew she was feeling down, but she felt threatened. Yeah. So he gets fired for it. Right. This is the humanity we, we, we live in now. Right. And basically then it does become a commentary on the reality show world in as much as he goes home, he's fired, he can't get along with his ex, his neighbors are assholes, turns on the TV, he's getting drunk, he's thinking about ending it all because he's got nothing left to live for, and there's the sweet 16 girl from MTV <laughs> who's pissed because her parents bought her a sedan, not an Escalade for her birthday. Right. And he decides, you know what, I'll go down to Blaze of Fury. Yeah. I will go down, oh, Glory, sorry, I'll go down, shoot her. And then kill myself, and I'll know I've done the world some good. And it turns into basically, no, let's take down establishment yeah. as we know and hate it. Yeah. And it is it is such a 
fun watch yes. as you're going through that movie. Yes. And yeah, it's it's done very tongue in cheek. But one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when he's sitting in the hotel room with his girl Rosie? Roxy. Roxy. And she's bouncing down, up and down the bed, little punk girl, and she's like, you know who we need to kill? And they're starting to list all the people they hate, which are going, yeah, you gotta, that person's need to go. Now for me to be, people who use amaze balls, you gotta die. <laughs> if, if you say amaze balls, you need to go, <clears throat> period. It, it's all that, that shit. hipster at the Mexican restaurant with the needs to cut, fucking needs to go. Die. Those hipsters today that stood up right as the end credits began yeah. for end of uh, Edge of Tomorrow, as I'm trying to watch it, and because they were, and one's dancing to the music, you need to die. Yeah. These are people that don't, we become so much of a society that people only need to think, only think about their own needs. They don't pay any attention to what's going on around them right. anymore. Right. And we're suffering from it. And that's what God Bless America is. Yeah. It's a statement against those people. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great flick. So that brings us to his most recent release. And Willow I was Creek. I was excited for Willow Creek. Dude, this that, came out for the, a year ago. We've been Googling yeah. this sucker. Well, and you had me at Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Because Bigfoot, for me, has always been that bugaboo monster. It's been that that creature that since I was a little kid and I sat and watched my 10-year-old self watch Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot on television and it freaked me the hell out. And of course I have no belief, I, I, I have zero belief that, that an ape man exists. I wanted to and dude, well, for the longest time I held out hope. And That's going, the thing with a lot of these All creatures. these cultures all describe the same thing. And you're right. right. They all do. But the fact that they all describe the same thing. They all describe Santa Claus in a different way, too. Right. If there was a creature that existed like this, it's got... It, environmentally, it can only exist in certain places. And there's, there's, there's talk about how down in Florida, in Texas, there's these Sasquatch... No. Florida is not the environment you're going to find a Sasquatch. That's where the skunk ape's supposed to be from. Right, which is just another fancy term right. for Bigfoot. That's what exists. Way out in the Everglades. Why? Because nobody's going out way right. out in the Everglades because either a python or an alligator is going right. to get you. Right. In a day and age where there's an orbiting satellite that can zero in on what type of beer I'm drinking right now. Shipyard, by the way. Yeah, shipyard. But but can't find the giant ape man. The fact that the the most credible evidence you have to date of a Bigfoot remains footage from the sixties, from two people who'd made their life's mission to find one, which also leads to credibility issues because we have no reason to believe there isn't some dude in a costume we, that they didn't just say. People, we're tired of being called insane. Yep. We need to find something. Right. But it's still the most uh, fascinating video to watch. Oh, the Patterson-Gimlin film? Yes. Of all, of I've all watched the, that hundreds of times. Of all the footage out there, that is, to me, the most credible and or fascinating footage to watch. There's been nothing since then that, that you can't look at and go, bullshit. Yeah. Sadly, no how much much you try? Sadly, you're right. And, 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 and dude, I've got so many Bigfoot books in my collection. I still buy them. 
If I hear this new Bigfoot book coming out, I will buy the thing. You have Bigfoot books? Oh, fuck yeah, I do. I, I, I have autographed Bigfoot books, dude. From Lauren Coleman? One of them, yes. <laughs> of course, it was bought. Did, did, Bigfoot, did Bigfoot sign it for you? When you were... No, it was signed Lauren Coleman. Oh, okay. But I was infatuated with the Bigfoot mythos in the 70s. And you and I, yeah, again, me the fuck out. both referenced the same fucking movie that just left us scarred. Yes. Scarred for years. I need to find that. I know YouTube has it, but it's just that No, no, we, we need to find that for our Mangria Day. Yes. Because if we could fire that up, Early in Mangria right. Day. Right. Will you Ter- sit Teresa. close to me, though? Because uh, it freaks me well, out. Well, I'd plan on that anyway. <laughs> okay. You can put your hand on my shoulder, dude. I've already come out in this podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's already aired. That's you, true. you admitted to revisiting 21 Jump Street. Mm. I came out as gay. Right. Either way. Um, but, no, it, it, the Bigfoot mythos, It there's still something behind it. I don't know what people are seeing. It, it And there's... There's still horror to be plumbed from mm. the Bigfoot mythos, if done correctly. Not yeah, sci-fi style. No, it's, it, it has not really been tapped um, cinematically. No, 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 no. Some TV flicks, but nothing really... I remember watching the Bionic Man Bigfoot episodes, dude, <laughs> and they were fucking creepy as yeah. shit. Dude, Bigfoot, Bigfoot definitely... When you see that as a 10-year-old and nobody else around, that fucks you up. Oh, hell yeah. And, and it did for me. But anyway, Willow Creek, I'm not going to sit here and trash Willow Creek. I'm going to say that I was very, very disappointed with Willow Creek. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I saw the Blair Witch Project 15 years ago. Right. And for me... Uh, what was lacking here was a lot of the the Bobcat social commentary that you get in a lot of things. This is shot found footage style um, with two people. One who's sort of a Bigfoot fanatic and wants to retrace the Patterson-Gimlin path and, and stuff from the 60s to make like a YouTube documentary. And you have the, the girlfriend, played by Alexa Gilmore from World's Greatest Dads, reluctantly, sort of reluctantly coming along. She's a skeptic. She doesn't really believe in this shit. She's an urbanite, an actress, that kind of thing. She's just there because she likes spending time with him. And everything just sort of plays off as these cliched tropes of this type of flick. It really is the Blair Witch Project, and you just take out the terminology Blair Witch and insert Bigfoot. Any director could have done the movie I just saw. Yes. And, and that's what bummed me out. And, and if you haven't seen The Blair Witch Project, this will be, this you be might actually movie. get a lot out of this movie. Yeah. Um, and certainly, there's some difference. We're not saying that every scene is Blair Witch. But the certain, it's close. But the certain wrinkles they throw at you are very Blair Witch-esque. Yes. Easily the, the scariest scene in it reminds me of the scariest scene in Blair Witch. In Willow Creek, it's, I believe, a 21-minute segment. In Blair Witch, it's maybe only about five when they wake up in the morning. There's the shit hanging from the trees and stuff. Yeah. But it's still all there. Um but nothing about this film made me think that this was a Bobcat film. I didn't see right. any other than the certain, well, the, the, the chick. 
I didn't really see anything that said Bobcat to me in any of what I saw here. Right. It could have just been any director doing some kind of found footage film. There's a little side plot there where he tried to, like, proposes to her. And she sort of, like, uh, it's too soon. I'm not, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I guess maybe some people have, have interpreted that as some sort of rejection type thing. And, and how that plays into... Other pieces of this movie, but it didn't work for me. I, I didn't. I didn't see it. I, I yeah. felt that it was totally tacked on, and unnecessary. Yeah, then, we're talking about a flick that's only about eighty-six minutes to begin with, and Why? at times it feels all. It feels longer than that. Yeah, it, you know, the first half of the movie, it's really just they're they're in this town, the real town of Willow Creek, the real town of Willow Creek. You know, going back and forth between. These characters, some of which are actual locals, some of which are, are actors that were, were placed in there to for, for different scenes. But it's just the same old shit of, let's talk to the weird guy who believes in it. Let's yeah. talk to the cynical people who don't. And the people who are sick of this, the tourists coming through here. And, and just because they're... It's similar to the Area 51 and the Little Alien. You know, we went in with the right approach. Look, we're not saying there's anything here. We're just coming through because we want to say we've been to Little Alien. Right. And and for that reason, they responded fine with us. But if you came in and said, oh, tell us some stories. They don't have no stories. stories. They're just existing in this town. They're making money off the insane They're riding the coattails. And there's an interesting... Middle road you have to find here. Right. You, you you want the people like you and I come through saying we just want a beer and talk to people, see what kind of psychos you see. We don't want to hear the stories of the lights in the sky because we're not going to buy any of them. Right. We're thinking you're making those up for the idiot tourists so who then drop thirty bucks in your gift shop. Mm-hmm. We want to hear about the people coming through that are psychotics, which we heard a few great stories. Sure. Of the dude who was taking photos of shit and everything else. Right. That was a great day. And I, I, that's I, literally, that's where I landed when I was watching these interviews with these people. Is how are people going to respond when you get this guy coming in, making a movie, but you've lived in this town your whole life. And, and how do you feel that you know this could, thing could be absolutely skewered? Everything you know about existing in this town could be skewered by this douchebag with a video camera. Um, and this is where I also felt there was some disservice played because the, the character actors that played people in this town were bad. Mm-hmm. Distractingly bad. Mm-hmm. Because clearly the dude in Bigfoot books had to have been a character <laughs> actor. Yeah. And it clearly, was so horrible. And I know for a fact the dude that had the story of his dog being ripped in two, I did see his name on the credits. He was fucking brutal, too. The old lady, I buy that she the, that worked for what, the, Department, the Department of Commerce. Is that? Yeah. Somebody. Or that, that, it, that, that he was interviewing. No, I don't believe any of it. You're going to go in the woods, you'll see bear. Bear are trouble. Mountain lions are trouble. I agree. You wouldn't have to go any further. I ain't going to set up a tent. Somewhere way off the path, if you're telling me bears and mountain lions are hunting things. Well, it begs to wonder how these people even went out into the wilderness unprepared to be in the wilderness. That was frustrating to me. It, well, yeah, those are, the, those are the types of things about this movie. That, you know, in a movie like this, you still have, you still have plot holes. That, that just... I will say this, though. In... In defense of what we got in that movie, I'm reminded of a, an interview I heard with Penn Jillette, 
where they were talking about, a, he was talking about a trick that they were going to do that involved getting bugs. And it was basically some, Teller opens something up and bugs come out. And he and Teller and one other dude were going to do it in Florida. And they decided they were going to go into the Everglades to get bugs. So they go into the local town just to buy whatever capture they were going to get. And the person in the town said, well, so you're taking bug spray, right? Well, yeah. And he's like, yeah, of course we are. I think, well, fuck. We're going to be in all of five minutes. Honestly, what are we going to have to really use here? And the stories he has of how torn apart they got, because they went in like douchebags, in shorts and sandals, into the fucking Everglades to collect bugs. It really isn't out of the stretch of imagination to believe that people would... City people would go into these situations unprepared. The problem I have is how unprepared they were. Yeah. Because in the Penn story... In the Penn story, I'm sure the car was within sight. These people's plan was literally, we're going to park. We don't know if we're going to get a cell reception. And we're just going to make our own path into the woods a good mile and a half. We know there's bears. We know there's bobcats. We know, no pun intended, we know there's mountain lions or whatever. We know there's shit out there that is higher up on the damn food chain than we are in that environment. Yep. And we're just going to make our way. And we don't set have up a tent. even one semblance of weaponry with us. And, and I was frustrated at that point. Yeah. Well, I was frustrated with the whole when they run across the hillbilly out there who basically tells me to get the fuck out of here. And how how dude who's never been here before knows there's a back entrance to this place. Yeah, had no idea. How, no, had to look at his GPS to get yeah. in. But yeah. then had knew there was a back entrance. And that the hillbilly... Well, we don't know that the hillbilly didn't come to find them. Because we, we don't still know. don't know because there was no Because we got payoff. an ambiguous ending. Right. We got no payoff. If there was just one glimpse of a hairy creature here, one, I could have lived with the end. I could have. I don't even care if there wasn't a hairy creature, but I needed more to to indicate to me that there isn't. We don't know, and I, and maybe that's his whole point. Maybe it's a we don't know after this movie because we didn't know going in. Maybe he's trying to keep that mystery, but I don't need that. I, you know, well, because that's what we've been living with for forty-five right. plus years. Right. I don't need that. I, I want to see your interpretation of it. I want to. I, I don't want to walk away with this. Bobcat's going to just keep me, leave me guessing too. I want to know: is there a Bigfoot in this movie, or is there not a Bigfoot? Right. So, and and at this point, I don't know. And that's frustrating. Yeah. yeah I, in my mind, if they'd spent twenty seconds. Just giving me some kind of payoff. And if it had been Hilly Dude, Hillbilly Dude in Bigfoot costume taking his head off and looking at the camera and doing something, I could have lived with it. Or if it was a Bigfoot staring in the camera as the ground grunting at it, or just just a hairy something. Just a foot walking by. I could have lived with it. Yes. But we got nothing. No. And what bummed me out even, and, and that's why I was really frustrated. Because they did a great thing, and I, you and I have already talked about this, where they see a, want, a, a missing poster of a girl that's gone missing for a certain amount of time. And later on in the movie, they hearken back to that. And that was the perfect time that they could have given you that kind of payoff. You now see this girl. What is she with? What has happened to her? Because here she is in just panties and nothing. It was just like, 
gone. So you, we don't even know what happens to his fiance. Well, not fiance. In the movie, we don't know if she becomes another one of that girl. Right. Because Bobcat didn't spend the, what, 30 seconds to give us that. Right. And, and you're right. It could be the intent was supposed to be ambiguous. This is what people have been living with all along. Could it be hillbillies protecting their crops? Could it be what? We don't know. The problem is we've had we don't know for 45 years. Yeah. Give me something. Anything. Right. Or it could be even hillbilly. You could have given me the foot. Which could have been hillbilly in costume, which you didn't clarify. But if you give me the foot, I could say, well, at the very least, we know people are seeing something. Right. It may be dude in costume, but it's something, and I can live with that. Right. Because this is a first-person foot, found footage film, fine. But we didn't even get that. Right. We got the Blair Witch-esque ending of dude in corner, camera falls, I guess he got hit by something? Yeah. Don't know, end credits, whatever. Yeah, we're a big disappointment for me. Big disappointment. Yeah, I... I you like the bone idea, but... Right, but it's, that still places it... Somewhere, I, I have to decide where I want to place it before oh, or I, after Shakes the Clown. Uh, I, quite frankly, I put it after, just because Shakes the Clown had some social commentary to it. Yeah. I, I could probably agree with you there. Um, I, I, I'll probably put it above Sleeping Dogs Lie. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I honestly think the theme of Sleeping Dogs Lie was intentionally shock factor-esque. Um, but this is nowhere near the level. This is not World's Greatest Dad or God Bless America. America. No, no, no. Um, it's... There, but again, if you haven't seen Blair Witch, you will vehemently disagree with us, I think. Well, I don't and know. I, and I would like... You know, it, yeah. But if you've seen Blair Witch, then you've seen Willow Creek. Right. So there's Bobcat. Um, still a, a quality director, I think, overall, even even though with the misfire. Yeah. My opinion, the misfire. Um, still worth checking out some of his stuff, just for the, for the social commentary alone. Um, Bobcat, I think, is way more intelligent than people give him credit oh, for. Yeah. I think people just assume... They remember him as the idiot from the police. Right. He, he, he's uh, the growling dude, and that's... Yeah. He's an uber-intelligent guy. If you hear interviews with him, he's amazingly intelligent, amazingly well-spoken, but he has a very certain view of what society's become, and that's what normally translates to his films. In the case of Willow Creek, it didn't. Yeah. And maybe that's where the biggest flaw is, is we're used to Bobcat Goldthwait making comments about society. If he doesn't, then it feels like a problem. Right. So there we are. Um, what's our, our next one? It's probably the Transformers one, right? I would assume. Which is in a couple of weeks. Yeah. End of this month. Yeah, final week of June, I want to say. Which is also Dragonfire Tournament weekend so what what you you know i was doing the mental math here that is the one series you and i have not watched a single movie together are you sure the second one i saw that with bellier Mm -hmm. and steve archibald and somebody else we'll have to be the sunday that weekend if i see it that weekend all right saturday i got um tied up all day yeah dragonfire tournament yeah Got it. So. The listener's got it. Right. Listener. So, there we go. 
Anyway, not to round, not to end this on a down kind of note. Well, we were kind of just whatever. Just fucking end it. Uh, late. Later.